From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we get 2023 rolling. At home, we talk up and down Cavs and down then up Browns. On the road, we look ahead to the drama of the final week of the NFL season, look back at the first round of the college football playoffs, and make another round of college picks. Off the field, we talk a little bit of everything with a 2023 opening week grab bag. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, have you been able to keep up with your New Year's resolutions so far? Sure. I haven't made one. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck, how's yours going? Well, the only well the goal I had, like I, I was discussing this with my wife on New Year's Eve, like, what's your goal? Uh, and she said her number one goal was not to get pregnant this year, which I agreed with. <laughs> oh, and she said, what's well, your goal? And I said, it's to win Mega Millions on Tuesday. So I, I still have time. I won't know till Wednesday morning uh, if my resolution goal hits or not. I, for one, am rooting for you guys uh, <laughs> in both of those. Yeah. Both of those goals. That That sounds good. All right, we're going to get started. We'll stay at home in the land, and we'll start first with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. This is our first time talking Cavs in a long time because of the holiday, and while we were away, there was a big win over the Jazz, a huge win against the Bucks, another frustrating loss to the Raptors, crazy losses to the Nets and Pacers, and a shorthanded Kevin Love-focused New Year's Eve win over the Bulls. Cavs finished 2022 at 23 and 14, ranked fourth in the East. Scale of one to five, one being St. Joseph La Source, 2001, described as green and herbal. This is asparagus juice with a metallic finish. Five being time in a bottle Cabernet from Paper Moon Vineyards in Vermilion, where coolers, Outside food and beverages are not permitted, but they make an exception for birthday cakes. Hmm. So, scale of one to five, how would you rate the Cavs during the holidays? I'm more interested in a little more info about the the one. Did you say asparagus? And metallic. How how bad would your whiz smell? Oh, God. Not great. I'm going to say like a – I'm going to put it like a two. Uh, There were nice wins. There were bad losses. There's some nagging injuries. There's some new injuries. And still, you know, there, there's still some signs like they, they overcome some off nights from Donovan Mitchell. Not tonight. The team's got to get more out of Garland. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds. I'm just going to say it's it's a like a two to a two and a half because some of those games, uh, they they shot piss poor this week, especially other than tonight. Probably again, if you're Donovan Mitchell, but two and a half. How about that? Yeah, I was thinking uh, right in the middle there. Two and a half. I mean, they ended up the, since we've last talked Cavs there. They have a four and three record. They they did one thing that we were hoping they could do, and they beat the Bucs. So that was a good, that was a good win early in that in that run. And then they went on a three game losing streak. And as Chuck alluded to, there was a bunch of injuries to really key guys. And it seems like we're getting into this funk where one guy has to score a ton to keep them in these games. Be it Garland when Mitchell's not playing, or Mitchell when Garland's not playing, and that's not sustainable. But you know what? You come out of that seven game stretch, four and three. I'm gonna put it right in the middle, two and a half. It's not quite asparagus wrapped in foil wine but it's certainly not the good stuff either <laughs> um 
it's uh it, it was interesting there were there were several games in that seven when i was looking at it that we had seven players get into double figures which used oh. to be our recipe for success and i think they were one and two in the three games where seven guys were in double figures like oh man something is off here but uh, we'll see i mean you get through it hopefully these guys get back and start to get healthy and they they start stacking wins again I think I'm more positive than you guys are. I would probably put it at about a three and a half. Unfortunate to lose some of these games. I think really frustrating to lose to the Raptors the way we always seem to. But I'm not that upset about the Nets and Pacers loss. We're going to talk about those a little bit more. Uh, I'm really impressed that they were able to come out on Friday night against the Bulls on the road and get a win without Garland and without Mobley. They scrapped their way to a tough win, and and that was, I think, a big deal. And you put that together with beating the Jazz and beating the Bucks, who are both two really good teams. I feel like it's a better week than maybe you guys are giving them credit for, or a better two weeks than you're giving them credit for. So I'll put it at about a three and a half. The two big losses during that stretch were to the Nets and the Pacers last week. In the game against the Nets, the Nets shot 50% from the field, over 60% from three. In the Pacers game, the Pacers shot 56% from the field, 61% from three. League average from the field is 47%. From three, it's 37.5%. Right now, the Cavs have the best defensive rating in the league, and they are, over the course of the season, holding teams to below average shooting from the field and from three. What is the explanation for these losses to the Nets and the Pacers? Is it A, the defense slipped like Wiley Coyote on a banana peel. B, two smallish <laughs> guards make it tough to guard three-point shooting. C, these two <laughs> just shot the lights out. There's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes it happens. D, the East is loaded, and we just need to get used to games like this. E, all of the above, none of the above. Please, God, just give me the answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with C. I actually, watching those games, and I watched both of those games in their entirety start to finish, and it, that's exactly how it felt. Like, all right, this is just one of those nights where someone's shooting nearly 62% from beyond the arc. That doesn't happen in practice. Um, so it Practice. Uh, practice. There are teams all over the NBA that are capable of doing that, but there's no way. Like, you get into a playoff series, that's not going to happen night in and night out. Like, they're... That's just amazing. I think in one of the losses, I think it was to the Pacers, the Cavs shot one of their highest percentages from threes as well, but it was more like 48%, which is really, really good. So it's just those two, you know, you see it with the Nets and you you just could tell that Durant and Kyrie, they were both on at the same time and just couldn't miss. And then that rookie was also hitting threes. The Pacers, that came out of nowhere. That was a ridiculous three-point shooting game. I remember because you went pretty deep in the alphabet. I'm going to say it's a mix of C and D. I don't remember what they are, but I earmarked them. It's like that. That sounds more right. Just shot the yeah. lights out and yes. the East is loaded. <laughs> yeah. Well, East is loaded. When you talk about the Nets are 10 and 0 in their last 10. And those guys, like they're, they're becoming a buzzsaw. Ben Simmons played excellent defense in that game against, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, against Garland. The, the real, they missed a ton. I watched most of that. They missed a ton of corner threes, the Cavs, that game. And I had an issue. I know we, we kind of like Lamar Stevens in that starting, but but he looks 
sometimes just so out of place because he brings a whole lot of nothing sometimes. He just takes up space on the offense. And sometimes he's he's in spots where I don't know if he should be there. But but ultimately, you ran into a really good team that was shooting the lights out. The Pacers thing, the Cavs they had seven guys in double figures, which is not their recipe for success anymore. They killed the Pacers in the paint, which usually is, and they still lost. So I'm just going to chalk it up to the East has a lot of pretty good teams, are really good teams, and both those teams kind of shot the lights out. What I took away from those two games is that I thought the Cavs played okay defense. I mean, certainly there were open threes that they gave up. Certainly there were missed assignments. You saw what happens when somebody's shooting 65% from three. You see what happens to the rest of your defense because all of a sudden you got to go out and cover everybody on the arc, and that's going to leave lanes open. It's going to leave guys open, cut into the rim, you give up layups. But overall, I didn't think the defense was that bad. I didn't think that they looked that bad defensively in those games. I think they were contesting shots. Everything was just going down. So I'm going with C. They just ran into a buzzsaw of two really good teams that were red hot for those games. And I don't think that's going to be a good predictor of what games against those teams will be like two months from now or three months from now or whenever the, they, they see them again or they, they see them in the playoffs. Moving on, I think this is an interesting time in the NBA calendar. Uh, it's not early in the season anymore. No more, oh, it's only December, don't worry about it type of talk. But the All-Star break is still almost six weeks away, so we're not into a stretch run yet. I think the Cavs are in what would be considered the dog days of the schedule. You've got 38 games down so far, counting the game they played tonight against the Bulls, 23 games until the All-Star break, and then something like 19 or 20 after the break. So at this point in January, if these are the dog days of the schedule, is there anything you can say definitively about the Cavs in the first 38 games. Donovan Mitchell is an absolute superstar. That That's probably the only definitive I, I can give you. Exceeded my expectations for how he would play with his team. And it's not a recency bias for just because he had a monster game tonight. Like, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. He's an absolute, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's an absolute superstar who's going to have some off nights, but you like you can see him take over games and that that's really about it because rotations are still kind of weird. Like at some point this week, I don't remember where they put the five guys on the floor. It was like like the worst five players on this yeah. roster were on the floor. Neto, and they Lopez, still, Levert. Yeah, but they but they flipped <laughs> yeah. the score. They flipped it somehow, yeah. and like they're up, they're up double digits. Uh, so it's it's a team that um, overcomes some of the the shortcomings I think they have, and they still win. Uh, so I think they're they're a good team. They're not a great team. Uh, and they're kind of where I thought they would be at this point. You know, I, I think when we started this, I said they they may be a play-in team, but maybe they're a little bit better than that. Um, but the only definitive is that Donovan Mitchell is a superstar, and maybe him and Garland are playing too many minutes. That's probably the only two definitives. Yeah, I, I think the only other definitive thing I've taken away from the first 38 games is this team is still searching for its identity. <laughs> is they're they're still trying to figure out like how do we how do we play rotations with a superstar now? that we have one in Donovan Mitchell. And that is certainly the the one definitive thing to this point. We're, we're squarely in the four, well, squarely. There's like a game separating us from four, the fourth seed and, and the eight seed or whatever. But I think this team, if they can stay healthy and they start to figure out exactly what their identity is, maybe that these dog days, that that's what this 
the, the purpose it serves, right? So then when they get to that stretch run, that last, that final 19 or 20, like they know, all right, we've got, we got Allen out there getting his double, double. We got Mobley scoring 20 Garland scoring 20 and, and, and Mitchell hitting 35 points a night, whatever it might be. So yeah, there's still a lot of questions, but I think they're, they're largely positive things because I don't think any of us expected Donovan Mitchell to be this dude when they traded for him. And now we've got a guy, we've got a guy again. So now how do you fill the pieces in around him? I think this question was interesting because I I didn't think of anything other than Mitchell is awesome. I I couldn't think of anything definitive to say, like you say like, Oh man, this is a defense first team and they live and die with their defense. They gave up 134 tonight, and they won by 10. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and it's not the first time that's happened. Like they, they, this offense has the potential to explode because it's got that guy. I'd love to say that I think that the roster is defined. I don't think that it is. I have a feeling there's a move coming because there's just too much of a drop off. Sometimes get to that second unit, especially when you're talking about having to play Lopez for any kind of serious minutes like that guy just doesn't do it. I, Kevin Love is getting better, but still such a defensive liability. So in the end, I thought, gosh, we played 38 games and I can't think of a single definitive thing to say, which is strange given that, you know, we're almost halfway through the year. Looking ahead, the week started tonight with Donovan Mitchell single-handedly beating the Chicago Bulls in, in one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen from a professional basketball player. The week rolls on when the Suns make the trip east on Wednesday night. Then the Cavs head out to the Sunshine State for a big Friday night game against the Denver Nuggets, and then to Phoenix Sunday night, beginning that West Coast swing. What would be more exciting? A win over the Nuggets or two wins over the Suns? Oh, man, I, what would be more exciting? I guess at this point, I want to see I want to see more wins in the win column. So I'll take the two over the one, I guess. But I'm more interested in seeing that matchup with Denver. To be honest with you, like that's uh, I want to see how, the, especially if Mobley plays, I want to see how this Cavs team matches up against the Nuggets. I, I originally thought you know Denver, I think has the best record or close to the best record in the West, but it's not like it's much better than the Cavs. It might be a game better. That's that's about it. So I'm interested to see that, but the Suns have been a really good team for the past two years, and you got them twice at a, at a home and home and going across country, but they have to come here. For, so it's it's kind of like a wash. I, I think it's the Denver game just because uh, we haven't played them yet, and they're a really good basketball team. I'm going with Denver as well. I think that's a really big test a chance to go on the road and play a really, really good team and see what you can do with them. I guess the only downside to that is the Cavs might not be fully healthy when they head in there for that game. So it's not as much of a, a, you know, a head-to-head full-strength contest as you'd like it to be. I'd also love to get two wins against the Suns, so I'm going to go with both, actually, as my answer, (laughs) looking ahead to next week. But let's move on, talk some skid marks, the brown and orange road to hoping for one more moral victory our weekly look at the Cleveland Browns over the holidays. The Browns closed out their home schedule in fine fashion, completing the season long lose when you should win hat trick in a loss to the saints. But things got back on track when the Browns traveled to DC Browns won 24 to 10 head into the final week, seven and nine in familiar territory at the bottom of the AFC North. 
this week's Roger Goodell nightmare scale measuring the commission's reaction to Deshaun Watson playing well scale of one to five one being the dream I have where I'm trying to yell but no sound is coming out of my mouth five being the one Tammy had where she is with two small kids while they were eating and when she looks at the kids their faces are covered in blood because whatever they're eating is completely oh, raw or still alive Ugh. scale of one to five how is goodell sleeping after waston's play <laughs> over the holidays oh lord tammy this is yeah, man. it's getting worse tammy had this dream like four nights ago oh, <laughs> this is like a brand man, new one i just stopped telling you about your dreams <laughs> yeah wow um so back to the raj uh i on that scale after the completion of this week's game, I, I think he's he's still spending some some sleepless nights now. So I'm going to put it at like a three and a half. I think that might have been where I was last time we spoke about this. He was probably sleeping soundly like like I was during the first half of the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was nap inducing <laughs> if there ever was a nap inducing game. Uh, but then the way Deshaun played in that second half, he looked pretty good. So Raj is a little little restless these days. I'm going to put it at a at a. A solid four, even with the first half, because I think what negates that is his arm strength in gale force wins the week before. Like he still looked like he could make any throw he needed to uh, in that game. And then the second half of this game, uh, it's a solid four. I think <laughs> kids with blood all over their faces. So <laughs> I don't think he's going to be sleeping all that well. I think I'm at about a four two, probably just based on how much fun it was to watch him in the second half of the game against the commanders because he played really well. Although his numbers weren't spectacular. I think he only threw for like 170 yards in the game, uh, but he had three touchdowns, man. And he led them to touchdowns at times where they needed it. He helped keep the ball moving when they needed to run clock to put that game away. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we needed him to do. That's what we need quarterbacks to do. And he was doing it. So I, I think as we've said a few different times, he keeps getting better, which is what I think we probably hope to see from him uh, with the short look we get this year. So I, I think the commissioner is definitely still losing some sleep over this. Let's talk coaching a little bit. Kevin Stefanski, Michael or Fredo. First quarter, Cade York makes a field goal because that's all Cade York does. <laughs> Offside penalty on Washington. Stefanski takes the points off the board, goes for it on fourth down. QB keeper doesn't score decision and play call Michael or Fredo. Was that when they went for it and they had, a, did they have an empty backfield inside like the five yard line? Am I remembering yes. this correctly? Yes. Yeah. No, I think Hunt was in the backfield. Was was he? But they were, but they were in shotgun. They were oh. in shotgun and it was okay. fourth and they're often in shotgun four. now. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're in shotgun 80 to 90% of the time with Deshaun Watson. Uh, so it's still more, mostly mostly Fredo there I can see why like he, he, the season's basically got nothing to lose why not I think I had issues with the fact that uh they had four wide receivers on the field inside the five yard line so uh totally Fredo on that so I, I you want me to rate the decision to go for it and then the play call sure or, or lump them together I it doesn't however you want to do it's it all, buddy. it's all fun it was such a <laughs> stupid thing to do. I, Chuck brought up a good point, though. I guess given where we're at in the season, and that was in the first quarter, and we were winning three to nothing, I mean, it was okay. You get so close to the end zone, you, you feel like, all right, try to get six here, but 
taking points off the board almost never works out in the NFL, right? Almost never. And poor Cade York, he's he's trying he's trying to kick field goals and make them, and he finally yeah. makes one, and he's like, ah, screw it, we're taking those points away. <laughs> Get back on the bench. He could have kicked it left footed and made it from there. <laughs> yeah. So then the play call was was interesting. So I don't mind them going for it there, I guess. So maybe not too Fredo, but the play call was was weird. Like fourth and four, I don't know. That to me, that's a chub in the backfield, maybe a play action pass with Deshaun Watson, not a not a shotgun hunt in motion out to the flat. I don't know. It was just a weird thing. But again, first quarter, I I, I may have been asleep during the part of that play that mattered. I'm going with Michael. You know, I don't love the decision to take points off the board ever, but I think you knew from the beginning of that game that Carson Wentz was the quarterback on the other team and he sucks. And so it's not like you've got to worry about them doing a lot of damage to you offensively. A touchdown at that point essentially could have put the game away in the first quarter. I don't mind the play call. Although again, like you'd love to just see Chubb in there and get his carry and get his, get his touchdown, but spread them out and let Deshaun Watson do what he does is probably what we're looking at in the future for this team. And we're just not used to seeing it because we've never seen a quarterback who has the ability to run the way that guy does. At least they didn't run a reverse, right? Like there's right. that. Yeah, they didn't, do it, they didn't like, run yeah. a reverse. I, we all love Nick Chubb. He's amazing. But did they put the ball in their best playmaker's hand with an opportunity to score a touchdown on one play? I wasn't that upset about it. I guess maybe the only thing I would have questioned was the play call. The decision to do it didn't bother me a bit at the time. All right, so what was, in your mind, the best part of the win over the Commanders? The best part of the win, I could arguably give it to Nick Chubb uh, because his running style has changed since since Deshaun Watson has started playing quarterback because he is constantly in shotgun, which means it's a lot more draws. It's a lot more delayed handoffs than him coming out with his momentum. But um, the most satisfying part for me, because I've beat him up a lot this year, has been Grant Delpit. He played a really good game, even if you take away the two interceptions. Uh, because what I've focused on is this dude, when Carson Wentz ran that naked bootleg and it was wide open and he came out of nowhere uh, to stop him at like the three-yard line. I forget this guy's a big, he's 6'3". He covers a lot of ground. And I'm thinking... He talked a lot earlier in the year, but he's quietly put together a good second half of this season. And maybe a guy in this defense who might be a little miscast. I don't know uh, if a 6'3 guy should be playing deep. Like, this is a guy who might might need to play closer to the line of scrimmage. Maybe they can flip him in JOK. That might that might be a good answer. Uh, but but it's him. He he's quietly he's quietly turned around a season where I pointed him out multiple times. Like this is the reason those blown coverages happen. And you haven't seen that from him in a couple of weeks and he's had three interceptions in two games. So it's him. Let's focus on the second half of that game. I For think sure. Um, yeah. Because that, that I think gave us a true sense of what this team could be, what their potential could be given the players they have on the field. I mean, one thing I, I, I wrote this note down and, and maybe this is my answer. The best thing about that game I saw, and I don't know if it was Joe Woods that did this. I, I don't think it's going to save his job, but I saw Miles Garrett line up over the center. Yeah. Step back yeah. in a yeah. perfectly vertical position and and guess the snap count on third down and destroy Carson Wentz before he even knew what was happening. 
that to me is like, all right, this is how you use your best talent. Move them around, find mismatches. I was excited to see that. That was that was important. That was good. I think we have a generational player in Miles Garrett, and if we just stick him at the same position against their left tackle all game, every game, uh, what are we doing? You know, move that guy around. So that was good to see. I really like that in the second half too. Our offense generated a hundred yard rusher and a hundred yard receiver. Um, I think that, like I said, that's that's a sign of good things to come with this offense with with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. I think Amari Cooper had a hundred yards receiving and like only three catches. That was exciting to see. I, it was like two different games. The second half was, was the best. As much as I loved the trickery of the pass to Jack Conklin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, if, if they had lost, I was going to do most disappointing Browns and, and him having only one target and no receptions was going to be one of the options. <laughs> I wish he had caught it. <laughs> no, <be> great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. I think Phil in that what I liked best was just the completeness of the game we saw in the second half. Good defense, good offense, balance between run and pass. Defense coming up with turnovers when they needed it. The whole team seeming even good special teams. Guy's name is escaping me right now. Who's running back the kicks? Uh, Jerome Ford. Ford yeah. um, had a couple yeah. nice kick returns during the game. It's fun to watch a complete football team play, uh, and that was what I saw in the second half that I really liked. And I think you're right that as much as we say that every year we're getting excited for next year, the completeness of the play is what really gets me excited for next season. Like if we could see that team on the field twelve times next year. They're going to be pretty good. That's it for our holiday games. Let's look ahead till next Sunday, the final game of the year. Browns versus the Steelers in Pittsburgh on the line. Last place, Steelers playoff hopes, Tomlin's winning season streak, our irrational offseason hope. <laughs> Are you excited for this one or just ready to start getting ready for next year? I'm excited for this one. This is shit burger bowl right here, buddy. Like this is, uh, we can destroy their season. Who sponsors that? Is that McDonald's? <laughs> I think it's Duke's Mayo. Who's... I have no idea. Oh, don't disrespect Duke's Mayo like that. That's a horrible. <laughs> but thing it does. To say. It does lube the system. Um. So I, I, I'm excited for this game. I didn't think I would be. I, I really didn't. But I think I'm excited for it because the Steelers have so much to play for, and I think the Steelers suck. Their record, I know they're still in the playoff hunt. I watched that game last night, the the Ravens, and I'm like, ah, oh, these both of these teams are just not playing well. <laughs> you know, someone's got to win this game. So I, I would love to knock the Steelers out of playoff contention, finish in third place, ruin Mike Tomlin's winning streak, all in one game. Let's do it, and then that will definitely feed into our irrational offseason hope of going 16 and one next year. It's a lot of irrational <laughs> hope. Yeah, yeah. Wild uh, I'm excited, man. It's a I, I live in a house divided. Where I know this is life, a tense week yeah, for the Rimbaldos. This, this, yeah. is, this is a big week, you know. Where um, you know, I I, tr I tried to claim Chip at birth, saying he's a Browns fan, firstborn's a Browns fan. After that, you can have what you want. It's it's a big deal, I'm, and I'm all for wrecking their playoff hopes. Tomlin's uh, perfect record of not having a losing. I'm all for that. But ultimately, the Browns haven't beat the Steelers twice in the regular season since we were 11 years old. 
And this will definitely feed into my irrational hope for next season <laughs> yeah. that they beat a team uh, who should be in the playoffs. So it, it's a big deal, man. And plus, I wait all year for Browns football, then I'm disappointed all season. So now, like, this is <laughs> this is kind of like the Super Bowl for me. So I'm, I'm really excited for Sunday. I think you put it so well. This is like the Super Bowl for the Browns. It's the Steelers. How do you not get excited for this game, man? I don't care what the records are. Uh, it's It's a rivalry game, or at least we want it to be a rivalry game again and maybe winning this one helps push it more to uh, a bigger bigger rivalry like we remember when we were kids because the browns are finally headed in the right direction so go browns the steelers let's take our first break (laughs) welcome back fellas to our second segment we'll head out on the road Start in the NFL and oh shit, things are getting fun. <laughs> Only one week left, three divisions sort of still up in the air, one wild card spot left in each conference. Divisions that are locked up the AFC East, the AFC West, the NFC South, unreal, the NFC North, and the NFC West. Things got a little bit strange for the Bengals tonight. Uh, We're recording on Monday night. Uh, This is obviously the evening where uh, DeMar Hamlin had an extremely serious medical condition during the game. Um, That game has been postponed and there's no announcement of when it will be played. My thought on the Bengals heading into tonight was I really didn't think there was any reasonable chance they weren't going to win the AFC North because all they needed to do was either win tonight against the Bills or beat the Ravens on the final Sunday of the year. You guys agree the Bengals are winning the AFC North, right? Yes, seems like it, yeah. So that resolves that one. So the divisions that we have left that are still in contention, first one, AFC South comes down to the Titans versus the Jags in Jacksonville on Sunday. The highly anticipated Josh Dobbs versus Trev Lawrence matchup that we've been talking about all season. (laughs) Who's winning the AFC South? Uh, The the Jags, even though Brown's preseason legend Josh Dobbs gets his second NFL start, uh, Trevor Lawrence has come into his own uh, and had a great season uh, and seems to be getting better. So, I see Jacksonville and and even NTN's had a phenomenal year. Jacksonville should roll them up and head to the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, Jacksonville wins it. It's in Jacksonville, and we all know that Jacksonville fans are diehards. Um, So I'm pretty sure that'll sway. (laughs) They'll be the the 12th man, so to speak. But no, I agree with what Chuck's saying. Like Trevor Lawrence is getting better and better. This this team's been playing really good football in the, in the latter half of this season. So I expect them to win at home, take that division. So they don't have to go into like three different tiebreakers to figure it out. I don't think that they have to go into tiebreakers. I think if whoever wins this game, wins the division, I think only because Titans, they would have the same record if the Titans win and the head to head would be one to one. And it would be the division record would give it to the Titans. Right. So, so I mean, it's, it's not like they've got to do a lot of like, like complex shenanigans. Like they I just, just said, they, they've the already got a tiebreaker. Yeah, it's already I figured said out. Third yeah. tiebreaker count. I counted third tiebreaker. That's what they got to. Jeez. All right, I think Jacksonville. Sorry, wins. I prepared. I, <laughs> I think Jacksonville wins. I don't think uh, as much as we all love Josh Dobbs in the preseason for the Browns, and 
Um, by all accounts, he seems to be a, a really great kid and a great player. Uh, I don't think they're going into Jacksonville and taking down this newly minted juggernaut led by <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. So the Jacksonville wins the AFC South. That leaves the last division still up in the air. And I can't believe this is the NFC East. Are the Eagles going to win the NFC East? They are 13 and three. They play Sunday at home against the Giants. The Cowboys are 12 and four. They're at home against the Commanders. Cowboys get the division if the Eagles lose and they win. Who do you think's winning the East? Man, the Eagles are our team and they are banged up right now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Vince Papali is probably starting at quarterback in that game. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I think it's Gardner Minshew. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Minshew. On the other side of it. So they have a harder matchup because the, the Giants are actually the Giants are in the playoffs regardless. Right. I, I think. Yes. Yeah. Giants yeah. have clinched their playoffs. Yep. All right. So that's interesting. Still a harder matchup. I, I, the Cowboys, I'm going to say the Eagles pull it off. Come on, Minshew. They pull it off, but I feel like the Cowboys have a pretty good chance here. The Cowboys do. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is playing or not. I think so. They haven't announced They've announced anything. that he's available is what they said. He's around. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right, great. No, I, I think what they mean is that he's healthy enough to play but they still but, might give him another week yeah. of rest and and maybe cough up the division because, hey, they just want him healthy for the playoffs, right? I'm not even sure if I disagree with that, but that might be what they're thinking. If the Cowboys run into the same commanders team that the Browns played, they're, they're definitely winning. Yeah, right. Uh, and the Giants, like, who knows? Like, if the I assume they would still play their mediocre team who sh- – Here's the benefit of playing the easiest schedule in the NFL. The Giants are a playoff team this year, everybody, uh, with a quarterback who's not great. And Shaquan Barkley's had a great season. They could both win. And then what happens? The Eagles would – who would have the tiebreaker? Well, the Eagles would be well, – Yeah, because they'd be 14. So they'd be – yeah. 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 I'm going to stick with the Eagles because there are uh, goose. I'm going to go with the Eagles too. I just – I don't see them losing to the Giants. I think they're going to – I think they play Hurts. I just can't see them – being willing to give up the division. And also if they win, I think they can lock up home field, home field for yeah. the entire playoff. So I'm, I, that's enough to, for me to get Hertz back out on the field. Vegas must know something. It's a 14 point spread right now. That's ridiculous in the NFL. Wow. Yeah. Philly Who's minus favored? 14, Philly minus 14, Philly's favorite. Ooh. Gosh, that's in, they well, must know Chuck something. Rambaldo in Las Vegas. <laughs> no respect for the New York giants. <laughs> None. Well, knowing that, I'm definitely taking the Eagles. Yeah, right. Vegas can't be that wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> so that wraps up the divisions. Last available wild card spots in the AFC, three teams at eight and eight. The Patriots, who play home against the Bills. It's another one that might be affected by what happened tonight. Dolphins, home against the Jets. Steelers, home against the Browns. New England has the tie break over both the Dolphins and the Steelers. Miami has one over the Steelers. Who's taking that last spot in the AFC? I think New England, uh, yeah, the Buffalo, that's a big question mark, right? Like Buffalo, Yeah, I'm just going to base it on the team's head-to-head, not, not overthink this. I, I think Miami ekes in somehow. I think Miami beats the Jets. The Jets are eliminated. The Browns are going to boat race the Steelers, as we all know. 
And uh, yeah, the, the Patriots, I mean, if the bills trot out a second string team, that's, that becomes a huge uh, yeah. variable here. Right. But yeah, I'm going to assume that they're not going to, for whatever reason. And um, Miami wins their game and gets in. I want to be where Phil's at, but I don't know who's quarterbacking Miami. If yep. Tua's still in concussion protocol, Bridgewater's definitely not playing. I don't know who their third string quarterback is. I want them to make the playoffs. They deserve to make the playoffs. They are an exciting, fun team to watch when Tua is healthy. But I don't know. There are ways too many variables. The only one I'm, I know is that the Browns are beating the Steelers, so we can eliminate the Steelers. <laughs> I, I just don't know. It, yeah, like there's, there's too many things here. I, I think somehow whoever's quarterbacking that Dolphin team finds a way to win uh, and they get that wild card. I'm going to go with Phil's logic of not trying to overthink what's going to happen with the Patriots and the Bills. And my thought is, given the quarterback situation in Miami, I think all three of these teams lose next week. And so the Pats still hold the tiebreaker over the other two teams. And so I think the Pats are getting in backwards at eight and nine uh, over the Dolphins and the Steelers. So I think they're getting that spot over in the NFC, pretty similar situation. All three teams that are still in it are eight and eight. Uh, The Seahawks play home versus the Rams and the other two, the green Bay Packers will play the eight and eight open the gate Detroit lions. Seahawks have a tie break over both the Lions have a tie break over the Packers, which is fantastic. Who's making it next week in the NFC? There is only one answer here. (laughs) I don't even know. I assume that game is in Lambeau. I think it's it's there. Uh, There is no way our Detroit Lions don't make the playoffs. They go in the Lambeau. They retire Aaron, uh, whatever is that. Ed's name is there. Uh, it's got to be them, man. Aaron, yeah, what, yeah, there he is. Thank you. Um, Boy, all that preparation, all that field. paperwork, and you have the quarterback. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I can't even remember Aaron Rodgers because you get me too excited talking about my number two team. They have to make it, man, for the good of the show, for the good of the country, for the good of humanity. Oh my the God. Lions are your wild card playoff team. Phil, Chuck just went all Independence Day on us. Who do you I, think is getting that I wild did. card spot? So did you say the Seahawks have the tiebreaker over both of those other teams? Yeah. That is information that right before now I did not have. <laughs> so I think I want to, I, I want to see the lions beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau and, and get into the playoffs. Cause they're an exciting team and we love them here in Cleveland, but I think Seattle is going to get that last spot and ruin their entire plan for the year. And, and, <laughs> Flopping to get, yeah, yeah, tanking <laughs> to get a quarterback in the top three. They're going to actually make the playoffs and draft in the bottom third of the of the of the draft next year. So I I think it's Seattle, man. The hard part for the Detroit Lions is not beating the Packers because I think they can go in there and they can win yeah. that game against the Packers. The hard part for them is the Seahawks are playing the Rams. How in the hell are the Rams going to beat the Seahawks? Come on. Baker. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I think he was 11 for 32 for like 140 yards this weekend. And I don't think that they can rely on Baker to win that game. Yeah, but how many passes did OBJ drop? <laughs> <Come on>. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think the Lions will go out winners. They will have a winning record at the end of the year. But I think the Seahawks are beating the Rams. And since they've got the tiebreaker, they're going to get in to that spot. And that would round out the playoffs. 
I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun next weekend. I think next Saturday and Sunday will be a lot of fun to watch NFL games because uh, there's a lot of games that matter. But we're going to move on from the NFL, talk some more games that matter, the college football playoff. Just as we predicted, Michigan loses to TCU. Ohio State almost pulls off an upset against Georgia and probably should have. Uh, we're a few days removed from these games already, and they've kind of already been sports talk to death. So I don't necessarily want to go back and talk about those specific games. But what do you think these games are saying about and going to say for Michigan and Ohio State heading into next season? I don't know that I – and maybe it is a product of being several days removed now. I don't know that I, it says anything negative about either of these teams. I mean, it's it's too – it's the first time that two Big Ten teams made the Final Four. Yes, they both lost, but these are those are probably two of the most exciting. If you try to take your your Ohio fandom out of the equation, right? Those are probably two of the most exciting Fantastic Final Four games, games yeah. in in the college football playoffs, right? Yeah, I mean, someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. They were both great games. How many years go by where and the Buckeyes have been on the receiving end of this for sure, and the giving end where it's a lopsided game? They're terrible games, right? be it the semifinals or the finals. So this cements those two programs into the into the playoff scenario going into next year. There's a lot of turnover at Ohio State. I don't want to get into all that. We'll let Tom Burke deal with that whenever he's on again. But um, <laughs> but that's a program that, you know, turnover. Yeah, there's turnover. There's turnover every two years there, right? So they should still be a really dominant program and find their way back to the playoffs. What was the original question? <laughs> what does it say about Ohio State and Michigan? Heading into next oh, season. I don't even know if I answered that. I, <laughs> Michigan gets their quarterback back, correct? I believe. Yes. You know, th that team is pretty much still intact. And I think if there were any good jobs in the NFL, Harbaugh's name would probably come up. This is probably his window here. Like these next, even next year might be the closing for him. So I can see him jump and ship. But I, what does it say is that we were, we were wrong. Like <laughs> I thought Michigan would roll and they didn't. And I thought Ohio State would get rolled, and, and it didn't. Uh, so maybe these conferences are a little closer than than I originally thought. And I'm not mad. Basically, you step back, like you say, and like these were two unbelievably exciting college football games, where people thought a playoff could ruin something or the transfer portal could ruin. Like it, it's so you can turn on any college football game, and it's pretty exciting. I can't say the same thing for the NFL. And I used to be the other way like 10 years ago. I could care less about college football. So nothing, nothing too big. You know, I don't think it says anything. I think you see the two best teams in the Big Ten until USC starts scoring 60 points a game two years from now. Uh, and, and then the playoff expands and they're both still be there. So not much. I think it says a lot for Ohio State because I think you were starting to, you were starting to get that feeling that things were, getting shaky at Ohio State. They'd lost two years in a row to Michigan. Everybody was expecting them to get blown out by Georgia. If that had happened, I think you'd have people starting to ask a lot more questions about what Coach Day is doing and what's going on with the program. Fair or not, I think that would have happened. I think what Ohio State showed was, nope, even when we've lost a bunch of skilled people to injury during the season, we can compete with anybody. Georgia might be the best team in the country, and we gave them everything they could possibly handle and probably should have beat them. So I think what it says about Ohio State is we're still here and we're still competing. I think the interesting thing for Michigan is can they sustain it now? 
Uh, I mean, it's not unusual to have teams pop up for two or three year windows and then maybe kind of fade away. I'm almost wondering if that's what Clemson is doing now. Maybe it was like an eight year window with them, but is that, is that program starting to fade some? Can Michigan keep reloading to stay at this echelon, which really has kind of been your Ohio State, your Alabama, Clemson there for a long time, um, Georgia type of programs? Can Michigan stay there? I think that's what the, the question would be for them going to next year and whether or not Harbaugh is there, I think probably means a lot to that. It sucks that the Buckeyes lost, no doubt about that. But I, oddly, I think I feel better about the team after that loss than I thought I would coming into the playoff. Good job. Good season, Buckeyes. What are you going to do? You complain about, you know, winning 12 games and getting into the playoff. Don't be a bunch of crybabies, Burke. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to our From the Land Bowl Pick'em Challenge. It's been an exciting couple of days since our last show. Chuck got hot, won three in a row, then cooled down. Denko defied all the odds by only getting one right again. But what I do, it's what I do. Standing together, arm in arm, tied together in love and points, the Gerbers are in the lead. <laughs> Tammy and I have seven points. Chuck and Burke also arm in arm at six points. Miller at five. Denko at three. Now we waited until the holidays were over and until Monday night to record. So we did not make picks for any of the games that were played today. And if you've looked at the schedule, there are no more college bowl games until the championship game, which is a week from tonight. So next week, when we go back to our regular recording schedule and we're on Sunday night, we'll make all of our picks for the championship game on Sunday, which leaves us with no games to pick now, but we can't do that. We got to pick something. So we're going to stay in college. We're going to stay in the land, but we're not going to stay on football. So first one Thursday night, men's basketball, university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee Panthers versus the Cleveland state Vikings. The game is in Cleveland. These teams are currently tied for second in the Horizon League, we'll call it CSU minus three and a half. Who are you taking? It's basically a push then, right? If they're playing at home, you're giving them three. I'm, I'm going to take second. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to. I'll take. I'll take the Vikings. Why not? Vikings win by ten. I'm going to take the Vikings too. Next one, another Thursday night game. Lake Erie College Storm women's basketball travels to Triveca Nazarene University to take on the Trojans in Nashville. Lake Erie Storm is six and five. The Trojans are seven and six. Trojans, minus five and a half. Who you got? Oh, give me those five and a half points. I feel like the Storm can keep it close. I think those ladies have it in them. They might not win the game, but they're not going to lose by six. Uh, I'm taking, I'm laying the points. Uh, going to Nashville, I assume Lake Erie College has to take like a yellow school bus, not like a coach bus or anything. Like a, <laughs> they're taking a cheese wagon down there. So I'm I'm laying those points. Uh, I think I'm going to take the Trojans as well. This one time in eighth grade, we practiced against the Lake Erie College women's team, um, and I, I thought we held our own, and we were in the eighth grade. So I'll take the Trojans. Next one, Saturday afternoon, Case Western Reserve women's basketball welcomes the Carnegie Mellon Tartans to the land. Case is nine and two. The Tartans are 14 and 11. Case Western minus two and a half. Who you got? What's a Tartan? 
what the f- is no a idea Phil, what is a tartan? No Phil's our mascot no guy. Yeah. I, when, you, when you said tartan, I, I, I had, I thought the same thing. Like, what is a tartan? I'm still going to take case, even though I'm going to look up what a tartan is. Okay. This game is at the tartans. <laughs> no, no, it's no, it's it's, oh, at it's at case case Western. I don't even know where. I don't remember there being a gym when I was there. They just find a court somewhere. <laughs> they play. This they might be outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go with case. Let's let's stick with the home team. All right, I'm going with case two, my alma mater. All right, last one, Sunday, January 8th. I'm not even sure if we're going to get the results for this in time for the show next Sunday. The Notre Dame Falcons will be wrestling in a dual meet against Davis and Elkins College in West Virginia. The Falcons are currently two and three, but looking to turn things around. I've got Notre Dame minus 11 and a half. Who you got? How do you minus 11 and a half in a dual meet? I looked at, so I looked at a bunch of their scores throughout the season, okay. and there were some gaps. So I figured, you know. The other college, what is it? They sound like uh, personal injury lawyers who yeah, are on Davis TV at 2 in the morning. College, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yes, I'm we'll taking make those you guys. pay. Yes, that's right. I'm taking them. Man, give me the 11. Give me the 11. 11 and a half even, right? Yeah, 11 and a half. So I'm going Pretty with the Falcons. Them. No, you're going with. I thought you said the Falcons minus 11 and a half. Whoever's Their getting favorite. the points, I want them. Whoever yeah. I choose will lose. You're taking Davis and Elkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me they're, the lawyers. They're getting the points. Yeah. Give, give All me right, the I'm, I probably probably owe money anyway. I mean, here's the thing. If this if this Davis and Elkins is a lawyer college, I know a lot of lawyers. I know very few who are good athletes. So I'm going with <laughs> Notre Dame. I, I I feel comfortable giving 11 and a half if they're wrestling lawyers. But fellas, that'll be it for our college pick em. That's it for this segment. Why don't we take our final break? Come back off the field. For some grab bag. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment and our first grab bag of 2023. A quick look around a whole bunch of topics to kick off the new year. Let's get started. Avatar, something in the water, has now raked in 1.4 billion worldwide. Does that make you want to go see it? Never. (laughs) Phil. Only if they retitle it something in the orange. That's it. All right. Three for three. Nobody wants to see Avatar except for the $1.4 billion (laughs) they've brought in in only like two weeks. Uh, Let's do one of our favorites, a from the land community update. We'll start on Ridgewood Lane in Solon. A woman asked police to check on her daughter on December 24th, stating that she had not heard from her or spoken to her in days. An officer stopped at the home and spoke to the daughter, who said she had talked with her mother three times that day. As an adult, what is the appropriate number of times to call your parents every day? L- less than one every day? Like, <laughs> we're averaging this out. It's less than one. Uh, I'm at, at one is the appropriate time, uh, sometimes twice, because I do a video call with the kids for my mom. Do you call your mom every day? Usually, yeah. Yeah, check oh in on her. God. I'm a good Boy. son. This is going to sound bad. Um, I was going to ask what the regular interval is because I'm on a pretty steady once a week uh, unless they call me in between. Phil, where are you? My mom is fairly text savvy, so I'm going to count that. Oh, see, my parents won't do that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I communicate with my mom uh, multiple times throughout the week, but I'll go many weeks without actually having a phone conversation with her. Wow. All right. So I'm better than Phil, at least with phone calls, but not as good as Chuck. I can live with that. Mayfield Heights, Psalm Center Road, an Ulta beauty manager 
contacted police and reported surveillance video showing three shoplifters exiting the store the previous night with four baskets full of unpaid merchandise. She said they walked right past the shift manager who moved out of their way without questioning them and watched as they stole more merchandise. The merchandise taken by the man and two women was $28,000 worth Whoa. of products. What's more surprising that the manager may be in on it or that it's even possible for three people to carry away $28,000 worth of stuff from Ulta. I got to go with the 28 grand is way more surprise. I mean, of course, shift managers are in on this shit. I mean, that's, that's happening at these stores everywhere. 28 grand, though. This Have you is ever like a, been in an Ulta before? Are you looking at me right now? Do I look like <laughs> an Ulta? Well, I mean, I've been in there with my wife. I, I yeah. haven't gone in there on my own, but. I have never been in an Alta. I do know that they are the purveyors of, you know, beauty products, right? Uh, so, man, like, I don't know. Do they have some, like, crazy high-end makeups made of, like, gold flakes? I, how do you get the 28 grand, right? That That's that's why I'm surprised by it. That's that's pretty impressive. Chuck, how about you? Yeah, it's it's the getting 28 grand out the door in three baskets. I've been in an Alta like you, girls, with my wife. And I didn't, you know, they sell cologne for men. So I was, but... Like, unless you strip that store bare in three baskets, yeah, how are you grand. getting 28 grand out of it? Yeah. I have no idea. I hate going into Ulta. It smells so much that it just gives me a headache because there's just so much going on. I don't understand. Unless you're lifting like cash registers and safes from the back or something like that. I mean, you cannot possibly steal $28,000 worth of sample cologne lipstick <laughs> perfume makeup brushes i mean that's just that stuff's not that expensive i'm shocked that it was twenty eight thousand. all right last one broadview heights rec center pool police arrived after a report that three teens were smoking marijuana in the bathroom the lifeguard noted the teens had been written up for smoking weed before when questioned the teens denied smoking weed no criminal charges were filed the teens were kicked out of the pools. Who do you believe? Teenagers or wannabe David Hasselhoff? I think I have to believe the lifeguard because it's a, there are multiple offenses and probably the lifeguard's just mad he didn't let them get in on it if they're <laughs> smoking in the bathroom because really how much lifeguarding do you have to do at a wreck pool in the middle of winter? Uh, so I though I believe him, I think it's or her, him or her, I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's just sour grapes because they weren't able to get in on that smoke action. Yeah, the teenagers are definitely lying as they should in this situation <laughs> so, yeah, as they should. Uh, so I believe uh, David Hasselhoff and uh, you know, but whatever, no big deal. Having been in similar situations as a teenager myself, um, I agree that they should lie about it. And I agree that David Hasselhoff is probably telling the truth. And these guys have been, these guys have been busted, but no criminal charges. Hey, they just had to leave the pool for the day. Moving on. Great news. The 90s are coming back with new music in 2023. Which of these are you most looking forward to? RuPaul releasing a new album, Black Butta, that's spelled B-U-T-T-A, on yeah, January 6th. <laughs> yeah. That can't be a coincidence. Uh, Shania Twain releasing Queen of Me on February 3rd. Metallica releasing 72 seasons on April 14th. Smashing Pumpkins releasing Autumn 
a 33 song three act oh, rock yeah. opera on oh, April 21st. Oh, good God. We're not reviewing that, are we? Oh, <laughs> no, man. Please, uh, no. <laughs> which of those are you most looking forward to dropping in 2023? RuPaul, hands down. <laughs> really? No. Probably Metallica. I heard the first song. I like that song. So I'm interested to hear the pumpkins until you said it was 33 songs. Get real, man. Um, and I'm actually interested to hear Shania Twain. It's her first new album in, in years. I don't know how contemporary she'll sound compared to today's country, but she was never contemporary country sounding or classic country sounding, I should say, back in the day. Uh, but it's it's Metallica. And it'll probably be like a one or two listen unless you're doing an all ears. And then I'll move onward and upward it's definitely metallica for me i was intrigued by the pumpkins reference until you explained it further and i agree with you like no like that that while that if it was no. like a 12 track album like all right let's listen to some smashing pumpkins see if they uh found that that 90s thing again but for me it's metallica and it ha- for no reason other than the fact that i've enjoyed their career up to this point uh interested to see what they do at this stage if they even attempt to reinvent anything or they just they know they've got that that's one of those those bands that has that fan base that we'll just put out the same old shit and we'll we'll make a cool billion dollars i'm going with the smashing pumpkins what's not to like about a rock opera i don't understand why you guys trash yeah man (laughs) oh man unless they're all a minute and a half we're screwed You, you guys are fighting against yourselves and doing yourselves a disservice because the more you complain about this, the more likely it uh, is that we are going to yeah. spend an entire weekend <laughs> listening to the Smashing Pumpkins rock opera and then reviewing it on this show. You've just guaranteed that it's going to happen. Burke and Miller are sitting in on that show. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're busy. You know, maybe it's something different. They're, they're trying to do something different. I don't know, man. That intrigues me, at least, that they've come up with something completely off of what they have done in the past. And I, I'm not a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, but I could never, I couldn't tell you what their last album was, how long ago it was. Seems like it's been forever. I can't remember the last time I heard a full rock opera. So it's like The Who, right? That's the last one. That's the last one. I Meatloaf. Maybe. Meatloaf. Yeah. Um, Meatloaf never did a full rock mm. opera. It's just all of his songs are kind of operatic. Anyway, last month, Adam Duritz gave an interview to Rolling Stone where he revealed that the song Long December was, was about a friend recovering from a car accident, which is nice, but aren't you a little disappointed? <laughs> He also came out like last week and said it's a Christmas song as well. So I don't know what he's talking about at this point. I guess I thought I knew what the song was about. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I am a little disappointed. Uh, it, it's a staple. It is a classic. And if you're not a Counting Crows fan, you still know that song. So uh, I would have rather held my own interpretation, I guess, and, the, and not found out what, what it was really about. So he, in the last couple weeks, he's said those two things, that it was about a car accident and it was about the holidays. It's it's the same, it's the Mm. same interview and the accident that he's talking about happened around Christmas time. So all of those things were kind of, you know, going around when he's, it's kind of about like, you know, the guy's recovering and you're looking back at like your past and looking forward to the future, which is kind of like a December thing. You know, you're at the end of the year and almost the beginning of the next year. So that's kind of how Durst ties it all together. Yeah. So I'm disappointed. Uh, Yeah. 
Absolutely. It, it, I, I liked what I thought it was about instead. And I'm going to continue to think that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. Adam Dirtz is among the best at writing songs about having a broken heart. And this one was at the top of the mountain. I get it. Like he wrote a song about a friend. I'm not going to, you know, shit on him for that. But um, I'm with you guys. I like whatever I think it's about more than what he says it's about. Exactly. Has Verizon replaced State Farm as the company with the worst commercials during football games? Oh, boy. That is a, in terms of the worst, that is a high bar to leap over. So what are Verizon's commercials now? During football games that are, they're all like the, it's like the Cecily strong. Oh the, God. The woman and, and, who and, is on. And what's his name dressed as different historical uh, figures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Paul Giamatti. Thank you. Yeah. Paul Giamatti. He was a wonderful, yeah. wonderful actor. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty bad. I don't know if they've completely taken so over. State, State Farm has like the, you don't have to be that personal. It's like yeah. the bath bomb commercial. Like I, I'm going to, and... I'm going to still give the edge of State Farm because the bath bomb Commercials are awful. It's all the Patrick Mahomes and his dirty jerseys no. and shit like that. They're terrible. So it's Verizon's getting there, but not quite State Farm yet. I think this weekend kind of put me over the edge for Verizon because I noticed I don't really pay attention. And I'm like, why why is Paul Giamatti, who is a fantastic actor, like maybe a top 20 actor in the last 15 to 20 years? What is he doing? Like, I don't, I don't know. I know we got to pay bills, man. Like I dollar, know dollar, we got to pay bills. Dollar, dollar bill. Yo. And, and the pandemic about. might've screwed up his shooting schedule, but still like, I, I can't take an actor. I respect and watch him like Cicely strong. I understand that you're, you're a player on Saturday night live and, and this is great for you, but Giamani, you can do better, man. Like maybe if it was like Vin Diesel. Okay. You know, like somebody who's Whoa. not a respected actor. <laughs> Whoa. Fine. He voices he voices Groot. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to shit on Vin Diesel. I was thinking about a bad actor, um, and he came to the top of my mind. I'm going with Verizon for kind of what you're saying. At least State Farm has NFL players, and it kind of an NFL theme to its commercials. Brian is it's just it's Cecily Strong. It's Paul Giamatti. There's other people who've been in those commercials, those Verizon commercials too. They're just terrible. And I think they may have actually also taken the title for the most played during a Sunday of NFL games, yeah. which is amazing because State Farm I thought was untouchable in that particular statistic. So I'm giving it to Verizon. Let's look ahead for 2023 guys and talk about new habits that are out there. If, if you're anywhere on social media, you've been inundated with tips for new habits you should be picking up in 2023. Some of the options, uh, get seven hours of sleep a night. I honestly think that one's really easy. Make your bed every morning. Theory is that even if the rest of your day is a mess, uh, you still manage to do one thing right. Uh, develop a new skill every day. That seems a tad aggressive to me. Every day is really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, Read for 30 minutes. I'm assuming they mean books. I don't think like reading stuff on my phone counts. Uh, reduce alcohol intake. Duh. CDC recommends that men have two drinks or fewer each day. Not bad. Not bad at all. Last one. Take a break from electronics. Which of those tips do you think has the most value for somebody looking to get healthy? Wow. Um, so from a health perspective... Which of those has the most value? Uh, making your bed in the morning is not going to make you a healthier person, no matter what. 
Um, it's a good idea. It's something, you know, it is something. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I subscribe to that one actually, but I don't think I'm healthier for it. I guess what would make me healthier? I, I'm not the, the sleep thing. I know that's a layup for you, Gervs, but I'm terrible at sleep. If I could get seven hours of straight sleep a night, I have to imagine that would improve my health and the health of a lot of uh, our fellow uh, Americans here in our country. Like you getting seven hours of sleep is going to help a lot of other Americans or just other Americans in general getting. No, I think, I think if I get seven hours of sleep, our country gets better <laughs> overnight, <laughs> quite literally overnight. You got me worried for your patience when you're not getting seven hours of sleep. I have never gotten seven hours of sleep in my entire professional career. I don't <laughs> think so. They're doing just fine. But the country on the other hand is not. So if I get seven hours of sleep, watch out. So you, you frame the question about what's better for everyone else's health, not our own, correct? Well, I guess I'm looking at it as like, what do you think just brings the most value? So it's not necessarily. It's, it's, yeah. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'll take it out outside of my own. I, I I think it's probably reading for, is it a half hour a day? Is that what you said? Somewhere in there? I think it's reading because if you can't get the seven hours of sleep, maybe you can read a book about meditation and that will help you. I could read for way more than there's minutes. so many topics <laughs> that you could read about for a half an hour a day to improve your mental, physical well-being that I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with uh, the written word. I like that one too, man. I, reading actually, and kind of the point that they were getting at was that it is in and of itself, kind of a meditative thing, kind of a relaxing thing, a, a healthier distraction, probably from being on a screen, which we're all over all the time. Anyway, predictions for 2023. I have scoured the internet to find these. I want you guys to let me know if you're in or if the prediction needs to get the hell out of here. So first one, streaming services will consolidate. Having everything is getting too expensive. Streaming services are going to start bundling together in 2023. Phil, are you in? Or does that prediction need to get the hell out of here? No, I'm in. In. Count me in on that. You want an explanation Judge? or is that good? <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be in on it, but then it would just be cable again. Only you're streaming it with all these options. It's get the hell out of here because the, the price model allows each of these platforms to make a, a more money than it would be bundling, but I'd still be in if they did it. I would definitely be in if they did it. And I think it's coming, but I'm going to say get the hell out of here because I think 2023 is too soon. I don't think that they're ready for that to to happen yet. Next one. During 2023, people will be getting fit by increasing exercise in primal movements. Things like the neck hump exercise, oh, which, is so designed, <laughs> which is designed to I start humping people's necks. <laughs> Neck hump exercises are designed to eliminate dowager hump, which is like a hump at the base of your neck, which is generally associated with the posture of old women. Primal movement is a unique exercise routine that revolves around using exercises and movements that our bodies are naturally designed to perform. Push-ups, pull-ups, running really fast, and lifting heavy things. So, are you in on an increase in primal exercise in 2023? Yes. It sounds like stuff I'm mostly doing already. But when you say primal, I assume like like when you said neck humping, I assume that meant no, more primal humping, which I'm all for in 2023. 
watch out you don't interfere with Whitney's goal for the year. <laughs> well, if he's humping her That's neck, right. I, think, yes, sir. I think they're okay. I'm pretty True. sure they're okay. Yep. <laughs> and getting neck pregnant. <laughs> I think that's what a dowager hump might be. <laughs> oh, God. I, I was going to be in on this because of the way the lead in Gerbs, but then when you went to describe it, I might have to recuse myself from this question. It's just bullshit. I've been doing, this is my entire profession, normal movements. This is what I do. I teach people to improve posture. I teach people to, to regain normal functional movements day in and day out. So this is not a new thing. Chuck's right. It's not a new thing. It's just what we're doing anyway and what we should <laughs> be doing. So I guess I'm, I'm in, but I'm slightly offended. I think the thing probably is that we now have the first generation of people who grew up with electronics from day one coming towards middle age, right? Yep. Like aren't like, that's like my Gen Xers patient, or that's my or, patient population yeah. right now. That's it. I'm even talking about like younger people though. I'm talking yeah. about people younger than us who have shit posture because they've done nothing but sit in front of a computer or sit on their phones for 30 that's years my patient know? population right now everyone oh, wow. that's 30 thought you were all old 30 people. oh no no i'm in sports medicine 35 year olds people who can have always considered themselves athletes but sit at computers all day long developing their dowager humps all <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> next one beer predictions for 2023 seems to be that the consensus is loggers continue their comeback you guys may remember we talked about this on an episode last year maybe seltzers start to fade one guy they interviewed for this noticed that day drinking had become a thing really last year day drinking became a thing buddy get the hell out of here all right but lagers making a comeback seltzer starting to fade you in or get the hell out of here i'm in on that give me the day drinking the gray drinking and it's all lager over seltzer in yeah man seltzers have peaked there were far too many options uh, I, I never understood it anyway. I can't drink them. I can always drink a great lager. So I'm in. I think get the hell out of here just on the idea that seltzers are going to start to fade. I, I just think there are too many young people and too many women who like to drink those uh, because it's convenient, you know, like in a can when you're outside or something like that, because I do believe day drinking is a thing. And, and I think it has been since I was like 18 years old. Yeah. And probably before then, before yeah. I could start drinking. Ever since there's been a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I still think that there's a lot of people who are going to be out there drinking seltzers. I don't see those, those fading yet. All right. Last one. Popular baby names for 2023. Three categories. Are you in or get the hell out of here? Popular maximalist names for 2023 amadeus and cassiopeia uh popular old school names for 2023 marty and sloan and last one there's a category grandpa names for girls popular in 2023 august and max chuck you in or get the hell out of here Get the hell out of here. As the one in this group has most recently named a child uh, and had a lot of considerations and looked at a bunch of different names. And then just named her after you? <laughs> that's right. Pretty much. She yeah. did all that yeah, work. That's what you we settled came on. up with your own uh, name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there were a bunch of options. Um, the only name, August is not a bad name, mostly if we're calling back to the Counting Crows. I think that's a pretty cool name. I don't know any grandpa's name, August, but still, get the hell out. What was the? Cassiopeia. The second one. Cassiopeia. The first two. Yeah. Fuck off. 
Cassiopeia sounds like a skin condition. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, get yeah, the hell out of here. I, I do, I do like me some Rock Me Amadeus, but I'm not naming a kid that, and you know, people shouldn't either. So yeah, get the hell out of here. Yeah, I would be in if this was the list of like what name to give your kid to get them beat up in school. <laughs> that I think would work, but uh, just as popular names, no way, Jose. Uh, with that, fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning the sad news that Bonnie Pointer of the Pointer Sisters died this week. With that news, that reminded me how mad I was that I couldn't go see the Pointer Sisters at the front row in 1985 Ooh. when I was like eight. I hope you guys have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. That would have been a great show, man. I never got to see the Pointer Sisters either. My first live concert was the Pointer Sisters. Sorry about that, guys. Thank of all the nights Don't not be to sorry. be here on time. This is it, buddy. This, yeah. this Cavs yeah. game has been unreal. I was watching it as Dylan was falling asleep, and then uh, I listened to it. Well, maybe if you kept on yelling, holy shit, that was what was keeping him awake. Because that's what we well, were doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had it on full volume and I kept elbowing. I'm like, you got to see this. Wake up. What the hell are you doing? Now, as I pulled into my driveway is when Mitchell missed the free throw and got his put back. Oh, that was fucking wild. Very impressive. Oliver, you suck. <laughs> Gerber has Tourette's. <laughs> oh, that's a good take. Ooh. Who just finished, though? Jared Allen? Oh, Donovan Mitchell's just showing off now. F*** you. You must be ahead of me. I'm watching the Bulls airball a three. Yeah, uh, Donovan a... Mitchell just hit a three to put the Cavs up 140-130. I think oh, we're yeah. shutting them out in the overtime. We are. Yeah, we are. Well, they had the, the, the Bulls have to be so demoralized. <laughs> They'll yeah. hey, what, give up an 18-point lead or whatever. And, uh, and, and the way they lost to this same team just two days ago yeah yeah same undermanned team right they should pull mitchell now yeah just so that he doesn't have to play the whole game dude has 66 <laughs> points i think he wants to get 70 yeah maybe oh yeah mvp chance yeah i think so oh karis what are Thanks, you doing man. it's so funny the way energy hits an athlete because with about seven minutes left in this game already having done like something Herculean to get the Cavs back into it. Mitchell looked dead. He just yeah. looked, he, he, he put up like two threes that hit the front of the rim. And you just had the sense like, man, he's, he's done everything he's, he could. He scored like 50 points. He's brought him back. He's kept him close. He doesn't have enough in the tank. And that last three he hit to make it 140 couldn't have looked any easier, more fluid, yeah. more in rhythm, more like everything, man. Like, yeah, I was the, somehow found something. I mean, he looked like he couldn't even get to the bench during the one time out mm -hmm. when they were down. Yeah, they were still down. Yeah, yeah. I woke Dylan up to watch He's that. Done. Did he hit another one? 143, 142. Damn it. How am I? I I think my Roku stick is getting even tardier. No, <laughs> Dofu's even later. He just hit a bomb that three. I'm still at 132, 140. I'm watching on the Bally Sports app, but it goes through my 
the delay is is through my Roku stick is where the There's delay like a is. Kink in the hose somewhere in the TV. Yeah. You got to like straighten that out. <laughs> Jesus. So that puts him at what sixty nine, right? Yeah. 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 Come on, hit two more. Let's get seventy five. <laughs> I like that they're letting Diakite like hang out in street clothes on the bench. So they're. Uh, Mobley and Garland are both out with injuries. Yeah. They said Garland's a thumb, but he was, he might be closer to coming back than. All I heard about Mobley, Mobley was that it was an ankle. Ankle, yeah. And it didn't even seem like it happened during a game. I don't remember him getting yanked from what would it have been like the Pacers game? Was that because he didn't play against the Bulls on Friday? Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Garland got hurt in that Pacers game too. Yeah. I hope that they can write the ship enough that they only need 50 from Mitchell later this week to beat the Suns. <laughs> That'd be a step in the right direction. Just hit a free throw to get to 70. Unreal. 70 points. Wow. Has a Cav ever put up 70? No, he LeBron had 57 was the most ever. He did it twice. LeBron had 57. And, uh, and uh Kyrie had a 57-point game in 15. That's that's one of the more amazing basketball games I, I've ever watched in my life, man. Man, I, Mitchell looks is, like he's got energy to go in over five now. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Boy, uh, that is a win. Holy shit. 145 to 134. So they outscored him 15 to 4 in the overtime period. Yeah. Were there three games that they should have won? Were there yeah. four? The Jets. Were there were there five? Falcons. Jets, Falcons, Jets, Falcons Saints, Ravens. Saints. Well, Ravens. I Ravens, agree. Ravens because yeah. that bullshit pass yeah. interference call yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah. Cooper. Cooper. Chargers. Yep. Chargers were a winnable game. Jeez, if you just win three of those five, you're you're fighting for the division crown right now. Yeah, I feel like the Browns are maybe this is something we should maybe this is a new thing we can add. Like there's your record, but there's like your real record. Like you know how you're you have an age, but you also have like a real yeah. age based on your health. I think the Browns' real record is 12 and 4 right now. You're adjusted, you're adjusted record. <clears throat> yeah, adjusted yeah. record based on what we think. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh man, but well, you know, maybe next year. Who knows? The one thing we kept talking about is they dropped that ridiculous game into the Jets, and then we dropped that ridiculous game yeah. to the Chargers. Is okay. This is all right if it's a good team and you win games you shouldn't, and that never happened. You, you know, so all right, yeah, they, you got to get out there. No man, maybe beating Washington was a game they shouldn't. Washington was. I mean, a playoff. No, Carson team. Wentz, though. I mean, I, that was terrible decision on their end. Oh, like what? How did they ever get to be like in the playoff hunt in the second to last week of the year, man? When, well, what's his name was rolling, man. Heineke he was playing. Was rolling. Yeah, Heineke was playing yeah. really well. So why did they sit him? Because he's lost like three games in a row or something. Because like he that. he started think, playing yeah, like Heineke really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But oh, man, I. Boy. Is Carnegie Mellon really named after a fucking pattern on a on a like a plaid pattern? Is that what this is, Chuck? 
I don't. I mean, the logo I'm seeing in their mascot is a Scottish terrier, but they all are wearing the plaid. Yeah. So it's the word the word tartan is a Scottish kilt pattern, oh. which is often confused with plaid, but it's tartan. That's weird. Yeah. And on that note, I need to take a I wonder what their I wonder what their uniforms look like. It'd be great if they had to wear kilts. <laughs> All right, fellas. All right, boys. Yeah. Crazy night. Good job. Good show. Thanks. Yeah. This will be all right. Great to see you guys. Back to normal next week. Hopefully okay. in all aspects of what we're talking about. Holy shit, Donovan Mitchell, 71 fucking points. Awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. Unbelievable. All right. All right, all right fellas. All right, I love fellas. you, boys. Have a great one. All right, love, love you, guys. Brothers. See you. Funny. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?